My name is Eduardo Muro, and I do art. Hi, my name is Kevin, and I have a podcast. On this episode of Why Do You Do That?, my guest is Eduardo Muro. Eduardo and I have been friends for over a decade and even lived together for a few years in college. I didn't need a podcast to talk to Ed because it's possible I talk to him more than any of my other friends from school. That being said, I thought he'd have some interesting things to talk about outside of his career. And boy, was I right. I think Eduardo and I both learned a lot about his connection to art and its importance in life. And I hope you learned something too. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin, and as a reminder, I have a podcast. This is it, and uh, my guest this week is Eduardo Miro. Eduardo, welcome. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? It's going great. Glad to have you here on episode three of Why Do You Do That? Uh, so as we heard in the intro, you do art. Can, can you specify that a little, a little bit more for me? Uh, so it's a lot of different types of arts, I guess, it, from, from just ink on paper or color on paper to, to more 3D and decorative art as well. Um, and just visual art, I suppose, in, in a sense, mostly on, on paper. Uh, so, so you can hang it up on, on a wall for the most part, I suppose. Okay. I think that's the best way to describe it. All right, all right, cool. So uh, visual art, things on your wall. Are your are your walls of your apartment just scattered in your own art because of that? Uh, no, I've never felt really confident in uh, displaying my art. So I have a couple actually that are hanging. You can see one right there that, that I made actually. Mm, um, yes. For those of you listening to this audio podcast, uh, Eduardo just pointed to a picture of a flower on the wall behind him. <laughs> do, do you have a website for the, the... I do, actually. We can put a picture of it. We can put too. pictures in that? Yeah. All right, so we link, can... <laughs> link in the show notes to either a picture or uh, to the website where we'll, we'll post some pictures, so. Sure. <laughs> yes, I, I see myself and... I hear myself, but <laughs> all right. hey, no worries. We're all uh, we're all getting used to recording what we talk about on here. But uh, yeah, glad to have you with us today. With us, the the royal us there. Uh, glad to have you here on the podcast today, Eduardo. Uh, like the previous two episodes, I think we're going to stick with the class schedule approach to uh, organizing uh, our understanding of why you do that. Uh, and that being art in this case. Uh, so the, the, first, the first thing that I think is a great place to start, uh, we've kind of been hanging out by our lockers so far today, um, but, oh, yep, did you just hear that? There you go, uh, the bell just rang, and it time looks like class. it's time to, yeah, it's time for class, <laughs> time to get over to history class. Um, so uh, yeah, let's, let's kind of talk about when did you start getting into art uh, and how you've changed that over through the years? Yeah, so actually, for whatever reason, I have an earliest memory memory was with art. Um, and it, it's really weird, actually. 
I took a piece of wood that was laying around the house, just like a quarter inch plywood, about a foot by a foot, randomly laying in the house. And I stole a, a can of paint from the, the shed, wherever we were storing that at the time. Uh, and I take a, a nail from that same shed. Oh, no. And that, that, that was my painting utensil. That, that's what I used to, to make my markings. So I take this, this plastic horse that's about, I don't know, 12, 12 inches tall. And, and I just set it in front of me and I'm like, I'm gonna paint it. I'm gonna paint that that horse, that toy horse oh my on gosh. this piece of wood <laughs> with this blue paint and this nail that I found. So I started, I start painting it. And generally that's one of my earliest memories, period. And that's the, the first time I can remember making art that I considered art so, that wasn't like finger painting in, in <laughs> kindergarten class or whatever. I mean, that's, that's some, that's like, like, I don't know, advanced work there. What's, uh, who's, who's it's not artist? a medium that I've ever gone back to, but, I, but maybe I I'll like have it, to. <laughs> I think you should uh, go back and explore your, your early days of that, of that medium, which I love the word medium. It's just so much fun. But who's the <laughs> artist that uh, pointillism and does all the dots uh, with the, the people at the park? You know, I do know exactly where you're talking about, and I can see it in my head, and I've seen it in person. Yeah, and I don't it's... know the name of the artist. I'm really bad with names, to be honest. So, that, so I, I, painting, I, that painting is on display at the Art Institute in Chicago. We know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, I'm sure listeners are screaming at us right now, uh, but yeah, you're like a, a combination of whoever that is. And Leonardo da Vinci with his with his horse sculpture, uh, you know, you got that great work. See, I I discovered those those two forms of art uh, uh -huh. by myself without using them as a reference. So I, I in a sense, I'm just as good um, as as da Vinci and George Surratt. Ah, Surratt, yes, that's who it, it was. That's. Wow, so. look at us. We, we have already name dropped <laughs> two uh, masters in art, so. And a third here. And a third, um. we have them right here. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't, I thought that would make you blush, so I'm glad that you would say that before me. I didn't want to <laughs> make you uncomfortable on the podcast comparing you to a, a lesser master like Da Vinci. You know, it's it's okay. We're, we're here to learn. That's why we're in school right now. <laughs> so, was, was there any, like... Um, did you get in trouble for, for breaking in and getting a can of paint? Or do you remember that part of that childhood experience? I wish I could say for certain that I did or did not. But I, if, if my vague memory serves me right, um, I think I got in trouble for climbing to wherever the nails were. Um, because I de definitely did not use a ladder or a step stool. I just like climbed whatever cabinets or shelves Naturally, were up of there. Course, yeah. Um, so I I want to say I got in trouble for that, and that was more remarkable than getting praise for for the 
work of art that that I made the yeah, hyper realistic horse drawing. I you got to there. I would just assume there has to be some level of of trauma of getting yelled at for that activity for it to have stuck in your memory for so long. You know, unless I got praised and I remember incorrectly and they said keep keep doing it keep going. Um, but I don't remember ever seeing that that drawing ever around the house after that. Well, but it was impactful enough. I I, I would think a, a a foot by foot chunk of plywood be would be a little bit difficult to put up on the refrigerator. So <laughs> that would maybe make yeah. sense that it stayed outside or something. Another detail that I just remembered is the fact that the paint that I painted it with was blue paint and I don't know if that has been my favorite color since or if I painted it in blue because it was my favorite color or if I painted it in blue because it was the only color I could find or was most easily accessible mm. but I, or, I think that <laughs> or did you use blue paint because it reflected your internal sadness in the moment oh Oh, that's, that's, I, I think that's a lot deeper than a uh, four-year-old me was thinking about at the time. But Perhaps. you're probably right at this, I mean, honestly. I mean, have you ever but, seen a happy four-year-old? They're all, they're all super sad all the time, so. All the time, I, really? yes, that. Um, no, but I bring up the, the, the fact of the, the color blue being my favorite color and the fact that that first horse was a, uh, blue as well because freshman year in art class the the art teacher I, like we were doing a, an icebreaker introduce yourself what do you like what's your favorite color and we got around to to someone in the class and was like why do i have to pick a favorite color that's stupid it's just a color and the art te teacher uh, miss miller she said no there is so much that your favorite color tells about yourself um, so often when I meet people in a non-professional setting, um, I like to ask, what's your favorite color? And I don't know what different colors say about people, but I think it's, it's really interesting to, to hear their response. And um, if I can get some sort of justification, I think, I think it's really cool. So what are, can you uh, remember any justifications that people have told you? So a lot of greens go back to, uh, I like plants, I like being in the outdoors, um, which I take it to being they're either adventurous or nurturing, because you nurture your plants, you're adventurous in, in the outdoors. Um, whenever I hear blue, is it's the color of the sky, um, the color of water, whatnot um which are very general very generic very uh i think easy answers for one but i think there's something to be said about that too i think it's a a hopeful color a a, a dreamer like attitude so i think i i don't know what do you think it says that my favorite color is like onyx gray onyx gray yeah so i uh, i guess i would take that to mean 
don't know. Knowing you as well, I think it, it justifies my response. But I think it, it sounds like you like structure. You like, uh, I don't know, planning ahead, uh, having some sort of plan. It's it's a, I don't know, a structured type of existence. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. What, I, what would you say? Why, you why know, would you? I would just say that I... Uh, I like the industrial aesthetic and I, I think that color often plays into it. Now, why do I like the industrial aesthetic? That's a different question that I don't entirely have an answer for. I think having something to do with like, uh, just in general, liking being in a, a manufacturing environment or in like a, a, a STEMI environment in the least, I feel like is a little, and what is STEM and industrialism, if not structure? Ooh, that's a, that's a good <laughs> question right there. All right, yeah. So have you had any uh, phases in your life that you've gone through? I know you said you haven't gone back to your uh, Surat Da Vinci days, but uh, anything else? So uh, through middle school, I went through a pretty big origami phase. I, I very much, I, I was never able, one of those people who was able to to make whatever they wanted out of the origami. I always had to, to follow instructions. Um, but then uh, I guess any structure that I've gone through was just whatever I was learning at the time, really. Um, I did a lot of 2D art in, in high school and middle school on my own, high school during class. Um, and then in college, I started doing more 3D types of things, um, whether it was 3D modeling or working in the, in the wood shop for the theater department. Um, so, not really, but abstractly, yes, I've gone through faces. Right now, I guess I would call my my art more functional art, um, as I try to decorate my apartment and um, arrange different things to be more artsy or not as uh, just functional but yeah. also give them some some sort of color mm -hmm. as well. Is there uh, anything you're working on right now or anything you're, you're mulling over at least right now? Yeah, so I'm trying to appear more adult-like than I actually am um, by putting up, uh, I don't know what it's called. English is a very difficult thing for me. Uh, the what do you call it a, a bedboard a headboard? a headboard a headboard headboard yeah um so I don't have one of those currently so I I've looked online trying to maybe see one if I could buy one I don't want to spend the money to buy one if I can make it myself right. um so <laughs> uh I'm working on on making a headboard um I think there's really cool things that, that you can do with that um, and then I want to 
I'm making a designs for for a cat tree for my cat. Um, Great. <laughs> I I spoil her a ton more than I spoil myself. You know, <laughs> and she she just likes everything that I've made or bought her. So <laughs> yeah, I uh, following the holiday season of having so many like Amazon packages, and I built a computer and I had like the the box that the the case came in that was really big and everything i attempted to build a tree for my cat with like tunnels that you could go from level to level in and she never never once like got in it i have since just cut down to the bottom box and now she hangs out there but i don't think it was stable enough that uh, she was very comfortable in it even though it was a pretty rad cat if you ask me very interesting that you would say that both the fact that you built a cardboard cat tree because I did the same thing uh, from uh, my different moving experiences. Um, all my moving boxes turned into a what I call the catsle. Um, <laughs> but no, my cat she loves that thing, and that that's why I'm I, I'm needing to to build a new one to take. A lot of the components that are in that capsule and uh, incorporate them into a more rigid structure out of wood um, because she really likes it and it's wearing down because it's cardboard. It uh, doesn't have a very long life. But. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of that thing where you had like stone the cardboard together almost using is it yarn or twine or something like yeah it was some sisal rope that i bought just to wrap things for her to scratch on so mm -hmm. i actually took the the seams of where the the boxes uh would meet and i stitched them together using the, the looked, crochet hook it looked really <laughs> cool <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can put a, a picture of that as well up there. I'll, uh, um, I'll write it down. I, I, because it, it, it looks really worn down, and that's actually where she sleeps, sleeps every night. Um, there, there's a little tent or cradle at the very top level mm -hmm. where, where she likes to lay, lay down and take her naps, but. It's time time to replace that. So so I'm sketching uh, some stuff, and uh, I actually mentioned it to my boss that I was um, designing a new cat tree, and he said, "Hey, show me your designs. Show me what you come up with, and I might uh, pay you to build me one as well." <laughs> so. Nice. Well, actually, oh, did you hear that bell ring? Uh, it looks like we are time. It is time for our next class, uh, and I don't know if. I, well, actually, I do know that you went, you had this class because we went to the same high school, uh, but it's time for career prep class. Uh, also, sometimes known, I think it's called, wasn't it called sophomore seminar or something? I think there's been many names for it. <laughs> I think there was one in freshman year and then again in sophomore year. And then for junior year when we were applying for college and then senior year as we were heading out. Yeah. I don't remember going a single year through high school without a some sort of, sort of a career prep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, so it's time for that class, whatever the name of that class is. Um, and I wanted to talk about how art has uh, either helped you in your job or helped you realize 
what you wanted your job to be, any of those sorts of things? That's a very interesting question. And actually, art has played a huge role. Um, so ever since I could remember, after uh, deciding that I didn't want to be a magician, um, a, a moment that we all have to face. <laughs> uh, I've only, I've ever only had uh, three different career paths uh, that I wanted to pursue. Um, so after deciding that it wasn't going to be a, a stage magician, I decided that I wanted to be an architect. And I think the the first thing that one thinks of when when one thinks architecture, um, right after buildings, is a uh, the, the fact that they're sketching and designing the buildings. Um, I think it's a very art-centered career and forever I wanted to be an architect. Um, so I think art definitely played a role in me um, trying to pursue that and uh, trying to, to become an architect. I took STEM classes in high school, um, engineering, art, whatnot, um, just so that I could eventually apply to, to architecture schools. Um, and once I decided that I didn't want to be an architect, uh, not because I didn't love the, the art of it, uh, but because I didn't want to have to wait so long to, to really establish myself and be able to, to have a family and whatnot, because it's a really busy, um, really, consuming career or so I've heard at the at the beginning of the career uh, um, right out of school um, I, uh, after deciding not to be an architect I decided to to be an engineer and actually my job right now is a as a process engineer project manager um, I do a lot of layouts and um, part design and equipment design and I think art or having have studied art and balance and whatnot uh, has helped me be an engineer um, when it comes to, to designing and uh, optimizing. I think there, there's a very structured math or scientific way at, at working processes. Um, but I think when you're able to think outside the box, which art definitely helps you to do, um, it, it helps you innovate and, and come up with, with things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of if you were simply going at it at, at, with, a, with a very, I don't know, scientific method. I mean, is that, I would think that, that would be because you have maybe an understanding of uh how how things kind of line up how they look next to each other um either from an aesthetic understanding a, a contrasting a uh, an understanding of like relative position almost is would that be fair yeah. to say yeah i think so i think the the relationship between spacing and and what's the word spatial relationships that's the thing. That um, thing. I think that that definitely helps, especially when you're laying out uh, an assembly process, which is what, what my focus is. Um, but also when we're designing equipment, 
when when we're trying to create a an optimized uh, model so so that we're not taking a bunch of floor space and we gotta minimize um, everything that we can. I think those spatial relationships and and being able to to balance that um, has definitely come in helpful. And you don't see it immediately until um, you you're working through it and and you just see it shrink and you're <laughs> you, you're optimizing um, without actually having the equipment readily available and seeing what what's wasted space. Um, and you you kind of see it in your head and you're drawing it out and you're sketching it out. Um, and then the final product, uh, your final sketch, um, your proposal to to the customer, um, you see how big of a difference it, it's made. And again, I don't I don't know that, that a, a direct or, or scientific, uh, I don't know what to call it, would, would provide the same outputs. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think that definitely makes makes sense to me as something to be helpful with. And certainly, there's there's got to be some uh, some just general value in uh, being a a well rounded person, as they often say. <laughs> I I kind of have an issue with the idea of quote being well rounded, but um, yeah, I think definitely things can in interest in one area can inform other aspects of your life yeah i think uh, definitely having a multi-disciplined team or or you yourself becoming multi-disciplined helps you uh just reach well stand out from from a crowd for one and then helps you achieve um whatever goals professional or personal yeah which i think definitely. Is, is super important um but yeah it if it wasn't for an interest in art Generally, I don't know that that I would be an engineer right now, or that I would have the friendships that I <laughs> have in a very uh, general sense. Um, sure. But yeah, it, cool. I mean, art has played a, a very big part, I, I would say, in in my career choices. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to go on to our next class. Uh, it looks like kind of we were just talking about spatial relations. Uh, maybe geography is the the next class that I think is on our class schedule for today. Um, so I think there's uh, an interesting part of art where you can see, you know, if you go to an art museum, there is definitely a tendency to uh, add some geography onto how they organize the art that is in every area. So you might have like look at this one gallery of local local artists, look at this one gallery of, of, of African art, look at this one gallery of European art, that sort of thing. Um, how, how do you think your geography in your life has had any sort of impact on the, the art that you do, if, if at all? That's a good question that I've never actually thought about. Um... I mean, so I guess if we go back to to the very first art piece, um, that that's that was born when when I was living in Mexico, which is why I had a, a toy horse because I really liked horses because I was surrounded by I guess a small town living uh, where everyone was riding on horses uh, and. Uh, 
I guess that that's where that was born. That's that's why I was pushed to to want to paint or or draw that. Um, But I don't, I don't, I don't think I necessarily pull a lot from my surroundings as far as as um my art making has. Sure. It, it, I think a lot of what I do or have done has been more pulling from references from other people that I've seen online as we as we've grown up in this very much digital um era certainly right? yeah i would say uh from my own perspective um i would say probably my my biggest like outlet of any sort of visual artistic interest is in photography and i would say the majority of the the photography you know the photographs that i've taken is very much <laughs> region locked uh if you know it's when we were at purdue took a ton of pictures of red brick uh, so many pictures of, of red brick because it's everywhere on that campus now that i you know when i lived in south bend or now that i live in davenport uh you have a lot of that like i don't know what to call it rust belt sheep maybe uh <laughs> you know uh, abandoned warehouses and and that sort of thing um and maybe that informs some of my uh, favoritism towards the industrial aesthetic. Uh, but right. you know, when you're when you're doing something like drawing or painting, unless you're unless you're pulling a Monet and and having your own gardens in Giverny, uh, I don't think <laughs> you're not exactly limited to just the things that are around you. Right. So so I I. Like you said, I I'm not really pulling. I mean, you're you're taking photography. You, you're taking pictures of a lot of the outdoor surroundings and and local landscapes and whatnot. I'm not necessarily going out and painting or or drawing from those references. Um, if anything, I'm I'm making whatever work of art I'm making at the time. Again, as a in a functional sense, to to dress up whatever um, location I'm I'm living in. Um, yeah, <laughs> that kind of that kind of goes into how you were saying uh, you're you're kind of working on a headboard, right? So do you have your your geography of expanding into a uh, a new apartment space, kind of. You know, upgrades, people, upgrades. That's where you're working on things now. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've been upgrading a lot of things, kind of making furniture to to take up whatever available space I have in my apartment. But also, I I want to move into to a house within the next couple of years. So so I'm thinking ahead of that for that too. Um, whatever I can move from here to there <laughs> do you uh do you think that there's a uh, a level of aesthetic that you are aspiring to or something that that might kind of match the the space that you're in that's a, that's a very, very broad question i can rephrase that no that's a too. great question because i've been wrestling with that um 
so recently uh i've started looking at, at houses and i'm not really looking at the how they're dressing up the house in order to sell it at the time because i'm definitely wanting to to remodel the entire thing and a thing that i've been wrestling in my head is what kind of aesthetic do i want to dress it up in um because looking on online i i really like the aesthetic of like i don't know uh the if you think like desert arizona um tijuana type of thing where where you have the adobe houses very yellow um pale colors cacti um i really like that pastels that sort of thing right yeah. um and and i think that that kind of takes us back to to my growing up in in mexico and and having a lot of that that desert plants life but then i also really like this futuristic more modern sharp edges um contrasting colors type of type of thing um so yeah i don't i don't know i'm caught in these two very opposite right in the middle of the, these polar opposites and i think the a fun challenge is going to be trying to connect the two if, if i'm able to do that i think that's going to be a really it's either going to look good for me and bad for everyone else or it's going to be revolutionary <laughs> and and become a trend <laughs> well i uh, i look forward to seeing what that ends up looking like <laughs> right uh, so do i so do i i'm I very curious uh so i think it i think that means it's time for everyone's favorite subject of of recess um and we were we were talking before we started recording uh about your tiktok was something that was kind of influencing uh, your, uh, I guess we, we keep saying aesthetic, but I guess we'll, we'll go with that and kind of what you're working on, what you're, what you're thinking about in the art world is, is there anything on TikTok that's maybe, uh, informing your, uh, desires for, for a home design? Uh, nothing that specifically, um, envelops the entire, uh, living space. In, in a house but just uh rather artifacts that that would lay around the house okay um so so one thing that that really caught my attention um that i'm just waiting for the weather to be nice so i can go to my parents house um and not try to make a bunch of sawdust in my apartment um is basically this this wall of mirrors i don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to see it on tiktok i, I have not seen that no so imagine a a chessboard or rather a checkers board um mm, yes so, not a so you board, have a checkers board. <laughs> got it so, so so basically you just have a grid of squares right okay and each one of those squares is a mirror that's separated by by a frame a wooden frame and then you, so so you have this this the lattice structure lattice structure that's painted probably blue at this point <laughs> um with the color. mirrors so so you just have it uh against the uh wall that doesn't have very good lighting 
Um, so the opposite uh, wall of, of my exterior wall so that it'll reflect everything and, and you kind of have this this window towards the outside where where it's basically a giant window but it's made out of mirrors Ooh, okay that's cool yeah um and then this other piece that that really caught my attention it's it's a trend on tiktok right now or that i've seen a lot lately is taking panes of glass just clear glass and layering them but each layer of glass has a different um, part of the the whole painting. Oh, sure, yeah, like cell animation, but it's uh, kind of static, right? I guess you know, you're not changing them out. Okay, right. Um, really cool. So, so I want to make that there's there's a painting by. Actually, I again, I'm bad with names. I don't, I don't know who the artist is, but it, it's, it's this colorful painting um, that maybe we can also add to the show notes. Colorful um, painting added to the show notes, sure thing. <laughs> um, that I'm pulling, I uh, influence from, and basically that, that's what I want to do. But I also want to incorporate my my family into it so i i think i'm gonna give each of my siblings and my parents a pane of glass so that they can paint it and okay. then tie it all together um and and display it on on my wall basically or somehow in, in my in my house um but but that i think just pull, I, I, tiktok has been a, a very big uh, influence for making me want to go back and and make art more art i suppose is would you say uh, that's a, a good way to to kind of get exposure into into art i know you you had a lot of classes that you took in in high school and whatnot but if there was somebody who who hadn't really delved into uh the space of visual art is that where would you say is that a good place to look? I think Pinterest and TikTok um, ha are are very big communities for for artists to to come to to ensure their art. So uh, I I on on Pinterest, of course, you can you can search for it, and there's a lot of great work, uh, a lot of really good DIY um, starting projects. And TikTok, I've just kind of stumbled onto the their magical algorithm that shows you exactly what you want to see. Such a crazy uh, algorithm. It's painful almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you can manage to get into that side of TikTok, um, I think there's a lot of really good artists, really, really creative people that that have made a living uh in in through TikTok. Um and that generally that's what's pushed me like i just said it's pushed me into get making more stuff and and just giving me ideas to to make stuff so if you're looking for for a hobby or or just wanna looking for a creative outlet but you don't know what what to make i think the looking at the artists on tiktok um 
is, is a really good way to to find inspiration or plain out just recreate something that that you see sure oh and there's the belt i guess it's time for biology class <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned that you're, you were thinking about having your family help paint, uh, have them each paint some, a pane of glass. Is there, do you have a, a family history of art stuff? You know, is you know, one of your parents interested in it or anything? No, no, no I, <laughs> uh, from my immediate family, I was the, the first one to, to really show an interest in, in visual arts or arts in, in general, I think. I think, um, and then my brother being uh, two years younger than me, very much following in my footsteps, uh, he he then started to to also paint and draw. I don't think he ever got in uh, as involved as far as taking classes and, and uh, really practicing art uh, very much, but I, I kind of set that that standard that, that example for him. Um, but I have a a younger sister who's a seventh grader right now, who's very much into art. She's she's always posting stuff on on Snapchat for for her friends to see, and um, she's very shy about it. So I try to make her like um, not not be as shy to to be more proud of her work and and just display it and whatnot. Um, but she's really good, and and I think she's just now getting into, well, getting the ability to choose choose her own classes, her electives, and I yeah. think art um, is going to be a a a big part of her curriculum moving forward. Um, but then extending outside of my immediate family, um, I think one thing that really made me want to pursue art was seeing some sketches from one of my uncles who was in prison at the time, actually. Um, whenever he would send letters, he would draw these really cool patterns or landscapes on on the actual envelope. Um, right. And I thought that was really cool. That was like one of the first times that I remember seeing uh, what I would call art at the time. Um, and I thought that was really cool. So, So I think if there's any familiar influence um, regarding my my pursuing of art, I think that that would be the biggest thing. Seeing seeing his works and yeah. Do you still have any of those like envelopes or anything? Or no, no, no none of those were were addressed to me uh, or my <laughs> family. I think it was us visiting my aunt and and her okay. having them in the coffee table or whatnot. Um, but I thought those those were really cool and like seeing that it wasn't a digital painting or or a digital art form, seeing that it was done by hand with a with a blue ballpoint pen, ballpoint pen. <laughs> that that was uh, really encouraging. I think. Yeah, there, there's something cool about having having the, the physical medium of of something kind of in your hand, right. and not just on a screen. How do you how do you feel about um, like i don't i don't know how to i guess digital digital painting uh, there's a better word for that but you know getting a stylus out on a touch screen and, and painting that way that i think that's its own skill and i've never tried it um 
I I could have uh, taken some digital art classes, um, but I, I never did, and I've never sought out to to buy a art setup for my computer. Sure. Um, but I think that that's a skill in itself, and it honestly it looks way more difficult than than putting uh, ink on paper, to to be honest, because you don't have that sense. Of the brush feedback. on the paper, right? Yeah. You, you're manipulating everything with the different settings of the the brush thickness, the transparency, and everything that goes with it. Um, and I don't know that that you could translate one into the other very easily with practice, of course. Yeah. But but if I I think if I tried to pick up a stylus and try to to recreate something that I've made in real life. Um, I don't know that that I would get the same results, but very very much uh, respect for for uh, digital artists. I think that that's very difficult, at least do from you, seeing that. Do you know? Okay, so and maybe maybe I need a listener to to send me an email, a text, or whatever, saying how to do this. But every time I see either like a TikTok or some sort of video or something of someone making the the kind of the, the digital paintings or sketches or whatever it feels like there's just like there's something extra they're doing with like pressure or something to like fill in coloring and things it's just like I don't understand how it's not just like click and move and like sometimes you you lift off more maybe it's a pressure sensor maybe that's the whole honestly thing. i i don't know uh as far as photoshop or whatever applications there are to make digital art i'm oblivious to i have no idea um the closest thing i've ever worked with was probably ms paints i see okay <laughs> so. well we've just become a podcast of of two guys saying i don't know anything about this so uh <laughs> that's not really fun to listen to maybe <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, look, the, the bell rang. Oh, it's time for our next class. Woo, uh, straight by the bell. <laughs> glad that happened. Uh, so, yeah, let's get on to our, our last class of the day. Um, we're just I know, we're just flying through all these classes. Um, uh, I like to drop in a, a kind of a, a non-traditional class each time with these. Uh, and since we both uh, I guess I, I, once a band nerd, always a band nerd. Maybe um, I still like, kind of identify with the band with the band people. So uh, it's time for band class anyway. And uh, I was wondering if you had any any thoughts on how uh, training in music has affected your understanding of visual art. I I don't know that they're directly related. Okay. But I think gaining the confidence on one art form, whether um, we're looking at visual art or the other, which would be in this case music, helps you experiment or try new things with the other. Okay, sure. Um, I think just understanding that the art is not necessarily for other people's enjoyment, rather a creative outlet for yourself. Um, so long as you're enjoying it, I think. Um, I think That's good to hear, because certainly nobody else is enjoying what I do. So. <laughs> oh, I enjoy it, Kevin. <laughs> well, so I bring um, it up because I feel like, um, 
my my understanding of of like visual storytelling through photography i would say has uh definitely impacted how i do a lot of work in like data science even and even some of that like coming back to uh middle school jazz class where you're like trying to figure out how to solo and uh, Mr. Paulson's like, yeah, you can use silence too. You don't have to constantly be making noise. I would say like that idea of, oh, there's value in the negative space too. Uh, I, I've translated that into, into photography pretty often. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of now in yeah, link in the show notes, apparently for me now, uh, there's a picture of one of my, one of my other roommates, Rocky, that I took um where it's kind of like his face in shadow surrounded by just like blackness everywhere else and so it makes it way more impactful to have his face showing where it is compared to the negative space all around it and like the idea of that i feel like directly came from band class yeah so like i said i don't think there's any very direct correlation, but you can definitely take lessons that, that are learned from one and, and put them in the other. Um, I think that that spatial relationship, again, is, is a really good, really good example. Um, I think jazz in general is, is as compared to, to like classical um, music, um, where, where, you're able, where you're able to, to just ex- experiment and really try new things and then and really be yourself, um, especially if you're uh, improvising. Um, I think that that really translates to to also the visual format, where where you have points of of interest, but but then also you, you're able to experiment and try new things, and they might be subtle, um, and it might just it might be noticeable to to someone who really understands the what they're looking at or what they're listening to. Um, but oftentimes I think it's also you, you trying new things and being aware of them yourself, not necessarily them exploding out into the audience. Yeah, sure. How about, uh, from the side as kind of music and and visual art interacting, do you, uh, do you, have you ever used kind of music as inspiration or just like mood setting for getting into into making the, the visual art side of things. I know I love uh, like the, I have, I have music that I exclusively code to um, because it helps me kind of focus. Like literally if I turn on Irish jig music, my brain is automatically like, all right, we're doing some data analytics, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think I actively do that. But I, I think if, if I had to, to make a relationship between the two, I think if I'm, if I'm doing something structural, right? So, so making, if I'm making uh, a piece of furniture or, or something um, practical, um, I, I think I, I go towards a more structured type of music like the classical um, or concertos or whatever you want to call them for but a cl- classical type of music now if i'm if i'm doing something more more active more creative um uh, like sketching or or drawing or painting or whatever i think it that at that point then i start to listen to to something more lively 
um, jazz or ska <laughs> um, or, or something that, that has more of an upbeat, more, more, like I mentioned earlier, more of a creative um, sensation that, that comes directly from, from the artist rather than the composer asking the musician to play what's on the piece of paper. Okay, cool. So, so, so if I'm following plans that, that I've designed for, for example, the furniture or, or whatnot, then very much like the musicians in the classical music following the instructions. But if I'm doing something more creative um, and more spontaneous, then it's, it's a more of a jazzy. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Expressionism. I like it. I like it. Well, I think that's, uh, those are all the, I think we're done with our school day. Uh, for right. now. So are there uh, any any final words that you want to say? No. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> no. Um, no, I, I, we're, something we're, that I, I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just cut off. <laughs> something that I just remembered was the fact that uh, elementary school, the elementary school that I, that I attended in Mexico was named after a Mexican artist, a revolutionary artist. And I thought that was a, a really cool connection. So I, I guess through through this interview, through through filming this, I, I hadn't realized how big of a part, like I knew I liked art and, and I knew I, I did art, but I didn't know how big of a, a factor it was in in just my decision-making and, and my, how, how big of, of, of my life it was growing up so so that's really cool <laughs> but yeah i mean i think art is a a really good way to just fill up empty time um especially through through quarantine i know it's it's helped me make, uh, a lot of things that are both just nice to look at and and also helpful to to live with all right well thanks eduardo i uh Certainly had fun. Glad, glad we got to explore some things. I feel like I learned a lot too. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great to, to be back in school with you, Kev. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to be a guest on a future show, or if you have a question for a previous guest, head on over to www.kevinhasapodcast.com and fill out the forms there. Thanks.